So on Tuesday, we did a, uh, the funeral of a precious lady from the Baptist church. And it was really cool to get to, to minister with John, and we were there together. And, and uh, Joy was, loved Jesus. Joy was ready to be with Jesus. And I'll just be honest with you, I want you to be ready to be with Jesus. I mean, I'm not ready for you to go now, <laughs> you know, but I just want you to be ready. And I think, I think one of the things is a mandate for me as a pastor is to, the sheep that God has entrusted me with to be ready for that day. And then a few days later, I get a phone call from my mom. My grandmother passed away. She was 94 years old. I think she was heartbroken. The Royals got beat that night. And she said, I'm done. <laughs> she listened to the Royals every single game on the radio. She'd go to bed about five and then stay up till whenever the game was over listening on the radio. And so tomorrow I get a chance to preach at her funeral. And I have some like studs in my family as far as like Christian men. And I'm humbled and honored that I get a chance to be there to preach the gospel. And uh, I'm I'm just, I'm honored by that. So this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Peter. This is the New Testament power of story about a guy named Peter. So since we're close enough, tell me, what do you know about Peter? Just give me some random facts that you know about the guy Peter from the Bible. Yes, sir. He's scared of the dark. It's probably true, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Never know. <laughs> scared of the dark. We'll hopefully got that on tape for sure. Peter scared of the dark. What else? What do you know about Peter? He speaks his mind. He speaks his mind. Know anybody like that? Ready, fire, aim. Should have sanctified that before it came out of your mouth. <laughs> He's emotional. That's right. He is emo Yeah, I love that about the guy. I, I resonate with Peter a lot in, in a lot of different ways. That's one of the ways. What else? What do we know about Peter from your Bible stories from growing up? What did, Peter's famous for a couple things. Yeah, he denied Christ three times. That's, you know, that's not what you want on your epitaph, right? You know, like, yeah, he was the guy who denied Jesus three times. What else do we know about him? His name was Simon, all right? Jesus changed his name and called him something different. He's a fighter. All right, yes, ma'am, in the back. early adapter right even if he didn't know any better he's just like yeah let's do it that sounds like a great idea let's jump right in he was a fighter ryan and i uh, met yesterday last uh, monday morning and if you hear last week ryan shared his testimony he shared his story and he talked about he was the crazy guy right but peter was the original crazy guy uh, peter was it i mean peter he, ryan's favorite story about peter is when he whacked the guy's ear off with a sword and yeah that's awesome right all the guys are like yeah that's cool. Peter and a sword whacked his ear off. And then Jesus put his ear back on again. I would love to see that in, in person. That would be awesome. So Peter, Simon Peter was the original crazy guy. And this is his story. He was married, for one, because it says that Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And some historians would say that's the reason why Peter denied knowing Jesus. Catch up. <laughs> for, for those of you who love... <laughs> For those of you who love your mother-in-law, that's not right. And for the rest of you, you're like, I see now. That makes a lot of sense. My mother-in-law was a precious lady of the faith, too, and went to be with Jesus several years ago. And so I can't say anything about her because <laughs> my wife's right there. 
Um, he was a natural born leader, really. He was by kind of, uh, he was the self-appointed maybe or like the group appointed spokesman for the 12, of, for the disciples. He was aggressive. He was enthusiastic, very self-confident, even to a default. <laughs> Uh, impetuous, strong-willed, loud-mouth, impulsive. And earlier I said he was ready, fire, aim. He's a little rough around the edges. Prone to failure. You know anybody like that? Oh, me? <laughs> I look in the mirror and I think, yeah, that, that makes sense. Peter's story is a story of transformation. He was... In the beginning, self-centered with little self-control before his encounter with Jesus, before Jesus changed him over a period of time. But over time and over some testing, he became, became a man who was Christ-centered under the control of the Holy Spirit. His story is a beautiful picture of God's redemptive purpose in all of our lives. No matter where you've been or no matter what it is that you've done, Peter's story, in a sense, is our story. Even though maybe your personality type is not exactly like his, you're a little bit more introverted maybe than Peter. Peter is probably off the charts extroverted, would be, my, would be my guess. And so that's Peter's story. So we're going to look at, we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to give you some scriptural passage references and you can write them down or go to them, whatever you feel like. Because I don't know how, like, I don't know how, if you're comfortable with like going around and just looking for yourself. And I hope that you are. I th even if you get lost in a passage and you just like leave, you just stay behind and I move on. That's fine. Whatever God wants to say to you today. But I'm going to give you some passages of scripture that reference Peter. Obviously, Peter's a part, is, this is his story. So we're going to talk about him. The first one is John 1, 35 through 42, where uh, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, meets Jesus first. And he was one of John the Baptist's disciples. So think about it this way. In this culture, in this culture, as you were a young man uh, growing up, you would, if you had what it would take to, to, to make the grade in this, in this culture, as far as in the synagogue and in, the, in learning, you would pick the teacher you'd want to learn from. It's, it'd be like you picking your coach on a team. Said, I picked that coach. I see Tyler, he's got his, his coaching shirt on, he's ready to go. And you would say, I like his style, I like the way he coaches, I like his demeanor, I like his, his uh, game plan. I want, to, he, I want him to be my coach. And then you would go sit underneath his teaching and your deepest desire would to be just like your coach. Be just like him. Whatever his teaching, that's what you would follow. And so Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. They were going about, doing ministry, baptizing people. But then when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, hey, look, that is the Lamb of God. He's the one who takes this away the sin of the world. And John, in a very humble way, said, basically, look, you know what? There's someone better than me that you need to follow. And his name is Jesus. And so it says, those, these two of these guys, they left, they went to follow Jesus. Jesus said, hey, what do you guys want? <laughs> Where are you going? Where are you going to stay, Jesus? I want to just be with you today. And they spend time with Jesus. And the first thing that um, Andrew does, and this is Evangelism 101, 
the first thing Andrew does is he goes and he gets his brother Simon Peter and says, look, look we, I think we found the one. Like, I mean, John's teaching was awesome. It was great. But I think we found something better. His name is Jesus. I think we found the Messiah. Come and meet him. And so he brings his brother to Jesus. Isn't that a powerful picture? Just bring your brother to Jesus. And then in their first encounter, Jesus renames him. He said, you're going to be called Cephas, or in, some would say it would be translated as Kepha. Your name is different now. It, your name is going to be, it means Peter, it means Peter, it means the rock. You're going to be the rock. Not Dwayne Johnson, the rock. Even something better than that. <laughs> I want you to think about this thought. When Jesus looks at us, he sees our true identity. He renames us from the inside out. Think about that. We all have an outward appearance and an outward identity. Sometimes it's a mask. Sometimes we're hiding behind that. But when we meet Jesus, he knows us. And even though people might look to Peter at that particular time, the rock, yeah, whatever. Peter, but Jesus saw his heart. Jesus sees your heart. He knows you. He knows what it is that you are capable of. And he knows the purpose for your life. He knows why you're here. And he names us based on that, not based on our outward appearance or what other people think about us. He sees us differently than the rest of the world sees us. He sees you differently than you see yourself. He sees the potential. And that's Peter's story, and we'll see it throughout this, this teaching. Another, another passage is in Luke chapter 5. It's verse 1 through 11. The Lord said to Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets. So Peter was like, hey man, <laughs> master, Lord, we've been fishing all night long and we've caught nothing. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. And it says that uh, he caught so much fish that he couldn't even haul it in. That was just too much. And when Peter saw the miraculous, when he saw that Jesus was more than just a good teacher, that he, was, he controlled all things, it says that Peter fell at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, get away from me, Jesus, for I'm a sinful man. I am not worthy to be in your presence. When we get a glimpse of how majestic Jesus is, we see how miserable we are. And what if Jesus just left us there? What if Jesus just left us there? Oh, you see how miserable you are? Yeah, it's about time you finally realized it. See you later. But he doesn't leave us there. He tells Peter, he gives Peter a new, a new mission. He says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to change, I'm going to change you. He gives him a greater purpose. And when we see the majesty of Jesus, he's not going to leave us in our miserable state. <laughs> Isn't that good news? I remember when I realized how miserable I am. I remember that day. It was a lonely day. It was a terrible, lonely day. But then all of a sudden, Jesus began to reveal himself to me and gives me, he gives me different marching orders. By the way, Peter, Peter's story starts with follow me, and we're going to get to the end where Jesus says the same thing, follow me. Like it doesn't change really. It's the same thing. It's the same mandate. Just follow me. Matthew 14. That's, this is the famous story of where Peter walks on the water. He said to Jesus, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come. Like don't just, just a little suggestion, you know, or is, is, if it's a good idea. He said, no, 
It's almost like if you command me, I have to do it. Like I have no choice. Just, just command me and I'll come. But you know, obedience requires action. Obedience is really faith in action. It's one thing to hear it, right? But it's a whole other thing to actually do it. It's one thing to hear, come step out onto the water and come to me. It's a whole other thing to actually step out of the boat. Do you know, who do you know in your life would be like, I'd step out of the boat? Is it you? Or do you know somebody else like that? Or is it somebody else that you think, man, I wish I was like that. I wish I would have stepped out of the boat. Do you think some of the other guys that are in the boat thinking, dude, why didn't you step out of the boat? I don't know. I think they're all saying, like, Peter will do it. <laughs> no doubt about it. This is going to be awesome. Let's watch this. And then you think thinking to themselves, have you ever seen somebody step out in faith and really truly follow hard after the Lord? And you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I would have done that. Next time I have that chance, I'm going to do that. You ever felt that way? I've felt that way. I feel that way when I watch Brady Rogers minister to people on the street. That's how I feel. Dude, I want to I be like that, man. I can't wait. And I'll do it when he's around because I feel safe that way. You know, he knows how to hurt people in several different ways. So I just I would, I feel safe that way. But Peter, so his obedience takes action. He steps out in faith. But then what happens? This, you could preach a hundred different messages off this particular passage alone. He takes, his, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, right? And then Jesus says, why, why did you doubt? Why so little faith? And there's a couple different ways to look at it. Is it because Jesus doubt, or Peter doubted Jesus? There are times when we doubt Jesus. We do. Let's just be honest. There's times we doubt his power. Can he really save me from this? There's times we do. But I think more often than that is we doubt ourselves. We don't have faith in ourselves. We don't believe we can do it. We don't believe we are worth it. This calling that he has for each one of us to get out of whatever boat he's calling us to get out of. We doubt ourselves. And I think um, there's some reality here that Peter doubted himself. If you had any idea how many times I doubt myself, can I do this? Can we pull this off? Can I really pastor a church? Not without help, that's for sure. From above and from with, without and within with you guys. But I have, I have that self-doubt. It's, it's just, Peter had it. It's, it's inborn in us for some reason. And now Peter would get to the other extreme of self-doubt where he would have so much self-confidence it would get him, get him into trouble. And we'll, we'll see that how he gets humbled through situations in his life. John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and anyone who eats this bread will live forever. It's a pretty controversial teaching that Jesus was, um, was giving these, these people who were following. To me, I think it was a time in Jesus' ministry where he was like, all right, it's time to sift out those who are really here for the right reason and those who are just following along to get a, to get a free meal free ride and so he sifts the people and he tells them unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no part with me you have no part of me You're like this is you can't do this and like whoa that's some crazy teaching Jesus those crazy Christians you know they get together on Sunday morning and they talk about cannibalism isn't it funny we're going to eat Jesus's body and drink his blood <laughs> are you prepared for that I think there was just this sense of like, how serious are you 
about your faith? How serious are you about really following me? And we're going to find out here in just a little bit what is required to truly follow Jesus. Many walked away because it was too hard. Jesus asked if his disciples wanted to leave too. And guess who stepped up? Who was ahead of the curve, you know, who was one that was a little bit before everybody else. And he said, Peter said these words in John chapter 6. And this was, the, this was Joy George's life verse at the, at the end of her life. To whom would we go? Who else is there? I mean, it was Prince. I mean, I really followed Prince. Now he's gone. <laughs> now what? I'm just joking. I didn't, I was just, sorry, scratch that. Scratch that off the tape. But there are people who really feel, man, man, Prince, man, he defined a generation. His words were powerful. It's not that they weren't, and they had an influence on people. But is that who we would go to? Peter says, you have the words of life. We have believed and come to know, he says, that you are the Holy One of God. We have believed, okay? It's this mental ascent into believing and realizing that Jesus really is who he says he is. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, you would think that would be enough right there. Peter's got it. He, Peter's got it figured out. He's never going to waver again. Like, finally, Jesus could check Peter off the list. Okay, finally, Peter, you got it. All right, I got to work on these other guys. They're a little slow. <laughs> but that wasn't the case, right? How many times in our, in our walk, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, how many times are you like, yeah, I got it. I figured it out. I'm walking by faith, never turning back, never doubting. And then the storms of life come, and we find ourselves questioning and wondering. We don't invite those things, those storms to come, that's for sure. But they come. So Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who speaks up? It's our boy Peter. <laughs> Got to thank him. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon this truth revealed to Peter is what the church was built upon. You know, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build this church. Well, it's odd that Peter's name is the rock. Obviously, Peter is the spokesperson for the early church. But the, the thing that the church is built on, this truth, this rock, is that Christ is the Son of the living God, that he is who he says he is. And that truth revealed is what we build this church upon. That's why our mission statement says we are Christ-centered community. Christ-centered. Not a good idea-centered. Not a mission like help other people-centered. But it's Christ that we center our hope and our trust on. It is Christ that we remember when we come to the table. Because it's Christ's body that was broken and it's Christ's blood that was poured out for you and for me. Shortly after that, toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he began to explain to his disciples that he would have to go to Jerusalem and endure much suffering and ultimately he was going to be killed. Let's actually turn to Matthew 16. And I give you these passages of Scripture references so that you can go and look up for yourself. Is Brady really, does he really know what he's talking about? Does the Bible really say that? You can see that it does. Matthew 6, um, 16, verse 21. From the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him 
saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Okay, so Peter, yeah, he's bold and he's courageous. But at this particular point, Peter's an idiot. <laughs> you pull Jesus aside and you're going to tell Jesus, no, Jesus, I got a better plan. I, I'm cooking up a plan. I got a sword. I'll cut off the guy's ear. We can do this, Jesus. It doesn't have to be this way. I love this thought. <laughs> but Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. Whoa, that's some pretty strong words. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Moments before, Peter, the great confession. <laughs> you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, yes, yes, Peter, you get it. Moments later, Peter, get behind me because you are only thinking about the things that the way man would think about. You're not, you, don't, you don't have this, pers this heavenly perspective there's a greater purpose here. There's something bigger going on, Peter, than just you and just your little plan. Noted theologian A.W. Tozer writes in his book called The Root of Righteousness, either we flee from the cross or we die on it. And the reason why that is so profound, because look what happens right after this passage of Scripture that I just read. Look at verse 24 in Matthew 16, where Jesus then told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It says, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus, in this brief little moment, defines, he epitomizes the Christian life in a short little statement. And Tozer says we either flee from the cross or we die on it. That's our only two options. So we're in our own sense of righteousness or sense of what is required of us to follow Jesus we would prefer that the cross not be a part of that because the cross means suffering. <laughs> cross means death, but the cross also means life. <laughs> this quote that I, that I read after this uh, Tozer quote says, the truth is the cross is a challenging or is a challenge that many of us hide from. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain the king of the little kingdom within us. And Tozer says we doom ourselves to weakness and spiritual sterility when we live that way. We never experience the power that comes on the other end of that. Like think about, we didn't bring the cross out today. Let's say there was a cross here. <laughs> think about like Jesus looking at the cross and on the other end of the cross is, is given the name that is above all names, that every man that confess this name will, will find salvation. Like on the other end of the cross is this incredible power, but he must get through it in order to achieve it. And so for us, taking up our cross is the very foundation of the Christian life. A spiritual house simply cannot be built without it. 
And any attempt to do so is sheer folly. We must come to the cross. Later on in John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And Peter just can't follow through with the rest of the group. Oh, no. No, Peter has to have something different. Oh, yeah, you washed your feet. But how about you can't wash my feet, Jesus, because, you know, it's just it's not right. I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, hey, unless you let me wash your feet, you have no, you have no part of this. You know, Peter was clean, but his feet were dirty. Even if we know Jesus is our Savior, we still need our feet washed each day. I want to encourage you this morning, keep short accounts with God. Confess daily. Let Jesus watch your, wash your feet daily. I mean, you've already been clean. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're already clean, but your feet get dirty. We live in a sinful world. Our feet need to be washed. Let him wash your feet. We do that by confession. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many times should we pray the the Lord's Prayer? How often? Every day. (laughs) Forgive me of my sin and and help me forgive those who have sinned against me. Luke All right, let's turn over to Luke. We're heading back towards the end of John. Let's hit Luke real quick. Luke 22, verse 31. 22, verse 31. Jesus is eating with his disciples. He's preparing them for his departure. He transforms the Passover meal into what we celebrate today called the Lord's Supper or communion. He's meeting with his disciples and he tells Peter... In uh, verse 31 of chapter 22 of the book of Luke, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Of course, Peter would say that. We would expect nothing less, would we? Do you think the other guys were like, man, I wish I would have said that. That's a great line. I don't know. They might have meant it, but they didn't voice it. And then Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Or deny three times that you know me. So Peter makes this bold claim. If all else fall away, not me. I've been that bold a few times in my life. (laughs) Shouldn't have been. Because it wasn't too long after that that the real test came. It wasn't too long after that that Peter was asked to just stay awake just for a little while while I go over and pray. And Peter, who was bold to say, I will go to prison, I will die, but I just have to take a little nap first. (laughs) Because our flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, right? I mean, we're willing. We're like, yes, I want to. Oh, man, but I'm just tired. I got these other things going on. I got all this stuff to do. And Peter's flesh, like our flesh, is weak. Isn't it? Have you ever thought about this? Has, um, do you ever feel like God is allowing the enemy to sift you? McDonald family, you guys feel that way? I mean, you're just going along, and everything's great, and then some symptoms start happening, and the next thing you know, there's a diagnosis, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> and it's a testing of our faith. Maybe Satan himself has never sifted you. Maybe he has. Just the fact that we live in a broken world sifts us daily. It breaks it down to the, this common core, of this common theme of, am I going to walk by faith or not? 
Am I going to trust? Am I going to believe? Even if there was a purpose in Peter's suffering. There was a purpose in his um, sifting, in his, in his chat. There's a purpose for it, and we'll, we'll discover what that is. Because what is people, Jesus told him, he says, man, when, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. I don't think Peter probably remembered that piece <laughs> until later on. I, you would, at, at some point, do you think Peter would have just drifted off and thought, what, Satan is going to sift me? What is even that, li- what's it like? Is it going to hurt? Yeah, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Remember what Landon said, this is hard, <laughs> but we're not going to live here forever. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in John chapter 18, this is, this is where uh, Ryan gets excited because he whips out a weapon, <laughs> cuts off the guy's ear, and Jesus is like, well, Peter, we don't need a sword. I could, have, I could have had thousands of angels come down and rescue me from this moment, but it was for this very moment that I came. Once again, Peter, get out of the way. <laughs> he could have had this massive army deliver him but the whole purpose for for his existence was to bring glory to the father and to deliver you and me that's good news right of course later on peter denies knowing who jesus is three different times in luke's gospel it says that after the third time jesus looked at peter have you ever had your someone significant in your life look at you with disappointment I was a sophomore in high school and my mom heard that I'd gone to a party that weekend and I was not being the, the young man that she thought I was. My mom heard about it, which I knew would happen because we lived in a small town. <laughs> Just a matter of time. That was before social media. No pictures on Facebook. By the way, what if social media would have existed during Peter's day? Think of some of the hashtags. <laughs> Hashtag walk on water, you know. H2O, here I go, whatever, you know. Just Peter could have some good ones. His Twitter account would have been like off the chain. But anyway, so my mom came to my art class. My mom worked at the school, so it wasn't unusual for my mom to be in the school. It's like, oh, hey, there's my mom. My mom doesn't look happy. <laughs> my mom's whispering to the teacher. The teacher's now motioning for me to come to the front of the room to talk to my mom. My mom is crying. My mom is looking at me with the, the biggest disappointing look I've ever seen on her face. And she just asked, is it true? I was like, is what true? <laughs> Still like pretending like I didn't know what she was talking about. I was like, yeah, it's true. And that was it. She didn't have to punish me because I was already punished. Jesus looked at Peter, wondering what the look on his face was like. I mean, if it was Jesus, it had to be a look of, love right my mom was disappointed because of love she loved me so much she couldn't believe she thought I was going to be different than my big brother but my actions were the same why did why did Jesus allow Peter to go through this he humbled Peter for a purpose for one it was to strengthen his brothers and when you turn back strengthening your brothers and it was another thing to start this thing called the church which is why we gather today If you've been humbled, he humbles you for a purpose. And if you haven't been humbled yet, it's coming. Get ready. It's just a matter of time. The whole purpose of Christ's dealings with Peter was not to crush him, but it was to make him into a vibrant servant of the Lord. Isn't that good news? It's good news for you and me. 
This final quote that was in this reading that I did this week, it said, Peter stumbled and faltered along the way, as all growing Christians do. But by God's grace, he recovered and continued to grow in spiritual maturity. All spiritual growth looks a little bit different for each one of us, right? There's no way that I can say, well, you're not growing the right way, Steve, because you're not like Justin. No, it's, it's different. It's, the scenario is going to be different because our lives are different. We've got different struggles and different things that we're working through. But he's wanting to grow us to maturity. That is his end goal. With Jesus, failure is not the end. Can I get an amen about that? Yes. The Lord did not leave Peter alone after introducing himself to him, but continued to lead him step by step to maturity. Though the process was often painful and challenging, his transformation was certain, just like yours and mine is. And then the, Peter's story ends the way it began. He went back to fishing. And in John chapter 21, Jesus goes looking for Peter again. And he finds him. He tells him to throw his net on the other side of the boat. They fished all night. Sounds familiar, right? They catch 153 fit. Why 153? Brady, do you know? No, have you ever, why 150, why do they even mention 153? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, right? I don't know why, they just say 153. Spend some time thinking about that. 153 something, all right, whatever. Maybe it was 153 times Jesus has rolled his eyes at Peter, like, come on, just get it. Like, they didn't know it was Jesus at first, but then they came to uh, the the um, realization that it was him, John says, hey, it's Jesus. Peter jumps out of the boat, swims to him, and then they have this incredible moment where Jesus restores Peter. This is my favorite moment because Jesus restores me. He's restored me. After all the times that I failed in my life, Jesus still wants to restore me. He still has a purpose for me. He still has a plan for me. And Jesus restores you. That is the hope of the gospel. And he asks you, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these guys? Kind of a test, really. <laughs> well, sure I love you. Yeah, like, like a friend, right? No, no. Do you really love me? And then Jesus tells him, go feed my sheep. And he finishes with the, this famous phrase, follow me. Listen, Jesus wants nothing more than that from you but to follow him. And you have to wrestle with that in your life. What does that look like? I can guarantee you it involves the cross. <laughs> Dying to yourself. And what it is that you desire. And coming out on the other end of that and living in a way to live in such a way that brings God glory and living for what he desires. And you have to wrestle with that. I can't prescribe exactly what that looks like for you and how God's going to work that out in you. But it's reality. It's true. I'll help you with that. We'll help each other with that. But that's his desire. He says, I want you to follow me. So um, let's pray. God, prepare us. Wash our hands. Purify our hearts. Wash our feet today so that we can come to the table ready to eat. Through our faith in you, Lord Jesus, we're welcome to remember what it is that you've done for us. Would you increase our faith today? Would we be bold enough to obey, to step out to whatever it is that you're calling us to do? Would we confess you as the Christ, the Son of the living God today? Would you meet us right where we're at? Would you touch the places that need to be touched for healing, 
for encouragement. Uh, Lord, like Peter, help me get out of the way so that you can have your way in the lives of your people that you love so much. So would you come?